Hey, this is Adam Weinstein, Mr. Tim Vienna. Just want to thank all of our loyal listeners, all three of them, for holding it down for four years. Uh, I think I've been around for about two and a half. Very honored to be part of the show. Uh, thank you guys for listening, and uh, we look forward to many more episodes. Hey listeners, this is Tony. It's been a while since you've heard my voice on this channel. If you're listening now, it's been four years since this has been running, and you know for a fact that Beyond Entertainment's the only place you can get real facts by real fans that aren't being paid anything. Enjoy what you're listening to, and thanks for being with us for so long. Hey, happy fourth anniversary to the podcast. I enjoy it so much. This is the Entertainment Beyond Podcast with your hosts, Jensen Dean Jackson and Alan Weinstein, bringing you all things relevant in pop culture and entertainment. We will be with you weekly, at least, talking about movies, politics, music, and all things in between. So check us out. See you next week. Same bad time, same bad station. Welcome back, baby. It's the F-O-U-R four-year anniversary. As always, or as you've come to know the podcast episodes, I am your one and only host, Jensen, the beautiful and majestic motherfucking Dean Jackson. Coming to you live, jive, and just a little bit full of jive. And on today's episode, if it wasn't clear enough, we will be celebrating a little bit, a little bit of celebration of the four-year anniversary of the Entertainment Beyond podcast, four years to the date, 7-25-18, I believe. I was sitting in my one-bedroom apartment. I was, as you would know, if you listened to the origins episode way way back years back but i used to listen to this podcast called the keeping it real podcast and they would give me all of my entertainment mostly it was a movies podcast it's not like mine i decided to diversify my stocks and bonds as it were in terms of movie television comic books books cds all the entertainment except for religion and politics because that's not entertaining it's just fucking depressing but I used to listen to the IGN Movies podcast, and like a classic 60s dad, the crew at the IGN Keeping It Real podcast just got up from the dinner table one day, didn't say nothing but something about bread and cigarettes, and fucking left. And that was like five years ago, ladies and gentlemen. God, I don't think my dads are coming back. I think they're gone forever. Uh, but I took the initiative. I said, I looked my sexy self in the mirror, and I said, God damn it, you sexy motherfucker. You sexy piece of chocolate rain. If you want entertainment, don't be looking for other people to give it to you. Go beyond your own wildest hopes and dreams of entertainment. Go beyond, pierce the veil of entertainment and burn that son of a bitch down. And that's what I've been doing to you guys, not doing to you guys, but doing for you guys. 
four years and counting, baby. We are piercing that veil. We are burning it down and we are pushing beyond our limits to reach our hopes and dreams in entertainment. So I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, a thousand thank yous to anybody who has either stuck around this long or if you're just a first-time listener, if, you, if you've only been a one-time lover and a part-time friend, I thank all of you from the bottom of my heart immensely because I'm just doing this for myself, man. I'm doing this because I like talking about it. I like hearing about it. And it's also something that if I unfortunately passed tomorrow, my kids would still have four years of information and knowledge, four years to get to know their father in the event that I wasn't around. But this is legacy shit that we're talking about here, people. I'm doing it for my entertainment. I'm doing it for your entertainment. And I'm doing it in the untimely, in the event of my untimely death. So I leave a legacy for my kids. Hot sauce and hog moss. Here's to fucking 18 more years, baby. And on today's episode, we're going to cover, cover, <laughs> we're going to cover a few movies. First of all, we're going to cover... Thor, Love, and Thunder, followed by Jordan Peele's third masterpiece. Nope. Hell no, dog. I ain't going down there. Hell no. No? Nope. I ain't going down there, dog. Nope. And we'll discuss some news and other things. News around the interwebs. And we will be talking about E3. E3, Jesus, Jensen, Motherfucking Dean Jackson. Get it together, slut. It's not E3. It is Comic-Con. E3 is video games. Comic-Con is everything not not entailing video games. And just a little FYI, you will hear well wishes from one of the listeners, my aunt, Lynn, and... uh, One of my all-stars, Tony, and of course, the co-host of this podcast, Alan the Hammer, dun-dun-dun, Mr. Entertainment Beyond, Weinstein. But yeah, let's get into it. Let's groove and move our way into this. So, Thor Love and Thunder. It It was all right, you know, if we're, you know, grading it correctly. Because we all loved Ragnarok. Uh, but for Taika Waititi's, you know, sophomore follow-up, uh, kind of missed the ball a little bit on this one. You know, you've got the wonderful and talented Christian Bale as Gore the God Butcher. You have Natalie J. Portman, and the J stands for motherfucking jacked, coming back to play the Mighty Thor. And you have Tessa Thompson returning as Valkyrie. And, uh, of course, Chris Hemsworth as the title character himself. But it just feels like, you know, just because it worked the first time. And we, we kind of needed that levity. You know, Thor, Thor is one of the Marvel characters who has gone through the most uh, throughout the Infinity Saga, leading into what's now known as the Multiverse Saga. And so... I kind of want to see Thor. You know, you can have a nice balance. Jokey when there's no need to be serious and serious when there's no need to be jokey. 
you know, not everybody can be Spider-Man and not everybody should be Spider-Man and or Deadpool. You know, they finally did my boy, my boy Thor right when they gave him a beard. You know, he had a helmet for a minute. So they were doing some things, tweaking their way towards a more comic accurate. But Thor was never this jokey, you know, to quote Thor from either Avengers 1 or 2. Do I look to be in a gaming mood with you? Or do I look to be in a gaming mood? Uh, I, I kind of feel like the story they were trying to tell, uh, they shortchanged Gore, the God Butcher, from the comic book storyline, which is, you're not ever going to be able to, or at least to, to my knowledge as far as I know, have they ever done straight one-to-one for, you know, translation from page to screen. So I, I know that. By this late in the game, I know that, baby. Come on, baby. Come on, baby. Don't do me like that now. Come on, honey. I know the game. But I feel like the Gore the God Butcher storyline could have taken up two movies on its own. You know? I feel like they should have gone with a different villain and done the Mighty Thor storyline because you don't really even get time for Natalie Portman's Mighty Thor to gain agency in the movie. She has some, but you don't really again, a long story they they, they blazed through an entire comic book run where Jane Foster, Doctor Jane Foster, became the Mighty Thor. They burned through that entire comic run plot line in uh, you know, a little under two hours. And just left me feeling kind of high and dry. Uh, still, uh, Taika Waititi brings the pop and the sizzle when it comes to dizzying and dazzling um, theatricalities, as it were. Lots of color. It's, 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 these last two Thor movies have just been a wonder on the eyes. You know, just, just lovely movies to look at. Uh, I mean, Chris Hemsworth at this, Chris Hemsworth, Chris Hemsworth. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. I said his name right. Chris Hemsworth, uh, by this point, if he hasn't figured out, you know, the Thor character, I would say that I don't know what the fuck you're doing in Marvel picture, but he's got this shit down pat. He, he owns Thor. I was iffy in the first movie. It took until Avengers 2. I was iffy on, on him as Thor in Thor 1 and Avengers 1. And it took me until uh, Avengers 2 before I was like, okay, you know, I, I guess this is our Thor. You know, he's not going to wear a helmet and he's going to have, like, more of a five o'clock shadow than actual beard. Like, it's cool. It's cool. Super chill. Super chill. I, I'm cool. I'm cool. He is, he's a joy to, uh, to watch. You know, I wouldn't technically call it chewing scenery. I wouldn't go that far, but he is, he is certainly a force. And Jesus, Lord, like, does he, that guy even eat? Because he is jacked, just fucking for no reason, just insanely fucking yoked. It, it makes no sense. Uh, one thing that I did bump up against, you know, because we promised that we'd get Thor and the Guardians of the Galaxy or as fans online were referring to them, the Asgardians of the Galaxy. So we were kind of promised that we'd get an adventure with Thor and the Guardians and what we got was a montage of them, you know, guarding the galaxy, as it would be. And then they're like, all right, we're gone. 
see you later, blip, and they're gone. And it's like, I wanted to see some more interactions. Like, I could always use more Drax the, De Drax the Destroyer in my life, you know? I could never get enough of Dave Bautista ch chewing the scenery with his dead on-point comedy and dead pantedness. Uh, it was just disappointing, you know? That we didn't really get to even spend any legitimate time to, you know, even be able to lock eyes on the Guardians and see if there is new things or, you know, new little trinkets or, you know, upgrades to their outfits. Mantis, Mantis did. That's the, the one thing I did notice about the Guardians is Mantis had some upgraded um, fucking tentacle thingies. I don't, I don't know the technical term for them, but she had some, oh, antennas. She had some upgraded antennas. There was some tech installed on them. But other than that, I didn't really get enough time to lay eyes on them to be like, okay, these Guardians have changed a little bit. We find out for a minute that Kraglin gets married to a, dif a different uh, person every time they save a planet, which was kind of funny. You know, Peter Quill telling them, I told you, you can't get married to every person you meet on a different planet we go to. I enjoyed uh, Natalie Portman's return to the MCU. Uh, shout out to my birthday pal, Natalie J. Motherfucking Portman. June 9th, Gemini Babies. Happy birthday, homegirl. Love you much. She, she did good. It's just like I said a couple minutes ago. It's just so fucking disappointing that there is real real room to tell a story that that's moving and you know the story of spoiler warning you know a human being who answers the call of Melnir Melnir in the hopes that by taking on the powers of Thor it might be able to help cure their cancer their stage 4 cancer and I just feel like they already shortchanged homegirl so much that uh it just was disappointing that uh, I, I feel like she deserved more screen time than she ended up getting, um, if I'm being honest with you. I felt like this movie, while it was cool to see her, I felt like it did a disservice to the character, you know, because by the end of the movie, and spoilers again, uh, she dies. She loses her battle with stage four cancer, and she ends up going to um, Valhalla, and there are people that, you know, because it's clearly stated in the movie that uh, for in order for an Asgardian warrior to die, or I'm sorry, to die, geez, to enter the gates of Valhalla, they need to die gloriously on the field of battle. And I've seen a lot of people online like, I don't get how Jane could be going to Valhalla. She didn't die in battle. I'm like, look, fucker, there's no bigger battle for a mortal to face than the battle of cancer. And if you lose, you lost that battle with cancer. So she died on the fucking battlefield. She lost her fight with cancer. So just to clear that up in case anybody has seen the movie and they're trying to figure out like how that makes sense, like, come on, she's battling cancer. She lost her battle with cancer. Gates of Valhalla, open up, let me in and let me sin, baby. You also find out in the movie that somewhere in between Thor 1 and the opening of Endgame, Heimdall, 
Idris Elba himself, the man, the myth, the motherfucking legend, Black James, no, not Black James Bond, Black Superman, uh, he found time to father a son, or sire a son, however you like it, Green Eggs and Hamlet, my dear. And so you find out that Heimdall has a son. His son likes uh, an earth band called Guns N' Roses, so he renames himself Axel Heimdall's son because whatever the first name of the parents is, that's the last name. You just add son to their name. It's a whole Asgard thing. I don't want to get into it. So you find that out. There was, there was nice things in there, you know, nice little, little bells and whistles. Um... After seeing the movie the second time, because Russell Crowe, as any, well, I assume some of you guys know the behind-the-scenes stuff, and I assume most of you don't. But as you come to find out, if you watch a movie, Russell Crowe has a cameo as Zeus, and the accent borderlines for me personally, my ears, and I my ears are kind of broken, but borderlines on being Greek, but leans more so towards miming Italian people. And, uh, you know, not to not to fat shame a god or nothing like that or, or anybody, but I always like my Zeus, you know, a little less heavy on the wine, a little more heavy on the grapes, if you know what I mean. Like a little less dad bod and more like jacked statue, Greek god of all gods, Zeus, you know, and we, we get the uh, dad bod worried about this year's orgy, have some wine, have some grape, <laughs> Zeus. You know, it was funny in the movie. He actually calls uh, Thor baby cake. Uh, have some wine, have some grape. Relax, baby cake. It was, it was, a, it was a funny, you know, appearance. I could have done, I don't know, a little less with the accent sounding more like someone saying it's me, Mario. You know, mocking Italian people. Because while I've never been to Italy, I would have to assume that they don't sound like Super Mario. I'm just gonna take that safe, you know dip in the pool and then, you know, dive headfirst into saying that I'm going to guess they don't fucking sound like Super Mario. Uh, Tessa Thompson, the incomparable Tessa Thompson. Always, always a vision. Always lovely to see her. You find out that while she enjoys being King of Asgard, it is uh, not joyous for Valkyrie to just sit around in board meetings and, you know, bird mail and email and, you know, missing, you know, you find out that she had a, a lady love that she lost on the battlefield of war. And, you know, she, we come together by the end of the movie that she just really is itching and skitching to get back on the battlefield and, and fight and spoiling for a fight. You know, we, we and, and speaking of another short-changed female character who hasn't been around in, uh, in the fucking MCU since a scant guest appearance on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. years ago. Jamie Alexander's motherfucking lady, the Lady Sif. And how do they do the Lady Sif? How do they do my girl Jamie motherfucking Alexander, nigga? How do they do her son? She's in the movie for like a minute or two. And Gore the God Butcher doesn't kill her, but he manages to butcher her fucking left arm off. Dude, like, I'm glad that we got away from fridging our women characters in comic book movies and other movies. And if you don't know what the term fridging is, the term fridging refers to a uh, 
pretty disgusting act they used to do where they would take to to give a character the hero's journey they'd usually have a villain um murder you know like their aunt or their girlfriend for me my my first personal um witnessing witness to a character's girlfriend or loved one getting fridged was Kyle Rainier's debut as the Green Lantern where his uh, first villain literally fridged his girlfriend when he folded her in half and shoved her inside his refrigerator so that when poor Mr. Rainier uh, opened up his fridge, his um, dead and decimated girlfriend was literally, quite literally, fridged. It was, I, I, I shit you not, not trying to sound dramatic, it was one of the most traumatic things that I'd ever read off the page of a comic book or book or magazine. It was shocking for me to see something like that. You know, fuck, man. So that's that's where the term comes from. And I'm, I'm glad that they're moving away from that. But you still like. Come on, Lady Sif is badass and Jamie Alexander is a lovely person and a lovely actress. She had the role like I, I don't get why sometimes they introduce these characters and it seems to happen more so with women. Thankfully, it's gotten better with the female characters, but you get these female characters and, you know, they just kind of will introduce them and then they're gone. And then we'll not bring them back until the fans are like, hey, what the fuck happened with that person? You know, so we get Jamie Alexander back as the Lady Sif, who, by by the way, in comic book, you know, format, storyline-wise, was uh, a deep love shared between her and Thor Odin's son. So it's kind of like... They, they kind of dance around that in the first one, but then Thor's like, oh, Jane Foster. And it's like, man, you know, where's Lady Sif's flowers? Because the girl deserves them. Rode into many a battle with uh, with Thor. And I just feel like they shortchanged her. So it was, while it was a happy note to see her back uh, in the MCU, it was a bittersweet one because she was just around to emphasize the danger that Gore the God Butcher possesses. It was nothing more than that. And there's another issue. So at one point, Christian Bale, Gore the God Butcher, Butcher Bale, Bale Butcher, um, he has what's called the all-black sword in the comic books. I believe it's called the all-black slash necro sword. It's a piece of symbiote. Sim- Why am I saying that word? It's a piece of symbiote. It is a symbiotic entity. It's the same material that's made up of what gave Spider-Man and later Venom their powers. You know, the black gooey stuff. Uh, and this movie, because of, you know, licensing rights and whatnot, and Sony owning the Spider-Man universe and by extension, the Venom uh, IP at the moment. They're not really allowed to get that deep into the lore of the all-black sword. But in the beginning, he possesses the all-black sword after praying to his god to save his daughter's life and take his, and later happening upon his god, eating grapes and other fruits with other forest gods. And when Bale Butcher uh, appeals goes to appeal to his personal god, his god laughs in his face and tells him basically, like, you guys only exist to die and, you know, more of you will come around, but I'm more important than you because I'm your god. So naturally, he insults the god and the god goes to kill him. The all-black sword 
calls to him, he kills his god. So for most of the movie, he's been off screen murdering all these gods, or oh, I'm sorry, more to more accurately describe it, butchering these gods. And uh, then there becomes a point in the movie where we discover that there's a place called Eternity where you can go and you can make one single solitary wish. It's only good one time. It's not a magic lamp. There's not repeated rubs. There's one single solitary wish. And this is where I bump up into it, especially after viewing the movie the second time. I circle back around to get a, a better look at the full picture. Um, that is a fucking plot hole like a motherfucker. I mean, the Infinity Saga, it was dope AF, but... And this shouldn't be a very big but. If there was some, something called eternity where any entity, as long as they had the proper means to get there, could go there, why in the fuck would Thanos have wasted? It just kind of makes the Infinity Saga seem kind of like, geez, like you guys, you say it's all connected. That don't seem very connected to me, dog. Come on, dog. You saying it's all connected, but that don't seem very connected to me, dog. So yeah, if, if, if Eternity existed the entire time, Thanos could have just found a way to make Thor open the Bifrost to get to Eternity, and then he could have just made one single solitary wish to wish away half of existence. But then we wouldn't have gotten the incredible Infinity Saga. It's just things, you know, plot holes inside of potholes. Um, but yeah, you find that out, that if he can get to Eternity, make a single wish... So then, you know, plot, plot things start to happen. And uh, eventually you get to a point where God Butcher Bale is in possession of Stormbreaker because he needs Stormbreaker to open the, bri the Bifrost. And uh, he gets to eter eternity. And before you have that, you back up. And there's a discussion. So the first time that Mighty Thor and Thor fight God Butcher, uh, it's 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 found out that the power of Thor is causing uh, Doctor Foster's stage four cancer to intensify. It's not healing it; it's just making it worse. So Thor and Jane Foster have a conversation, and Thor, while he tells her that he's not going to stop her from picking up the hammer, he would like that he would like it if she would stay, so they could try and figure it out together. And, you know, Thor goes off to save the kids of Asgard because God Butcher took the kids, the children, all the children of Asgard. And uh, I guess she had have, was having visions of Thor getting his ass whooped. So she picked up the hammer. And I'll just say, you know, that is true selflessness and the act of a hero. To put the needs of others before the needs of yourself, it takes great intestinal fortitude and I take my hat my shoes and my socks off to Dr. Jane Foster you know she knew she knew the risks and picking the hammer back up one more time she did it to save the kids and in their effort combined mighty the mighty Thors the mighty Thor and Thor's efforts combined with the children of Asgard temporarily being granted the power of Thor even though that's never expressly been written in any comic book storyline that I've ever read that Thor could do that Fuck it, it's the movies. Uh, with those combined efforts, they're able to break the all-black sword. and uh, But that doesn't stop the God Butcher from getting to eternity. So he gets to eternity, he's going to make his wish as... Uh, and Thor appeals to Bale Butcher as 
as Dr. Foster lies dying in his arms, that he doesn't have to choose, I can't remember the word, but he can choose love. And uh, they say, you know, you can bring your daughter back. And he's all worried because he's dying. The all-black sword kills anybody that uh, picks it up. And basically they make a deal that, you know, he wishes his daughter back alive. And Thor ends up becoming her uncle. And the cutest little thing about that ties this whole thing into a bow is that the little girl's name ends up being Love. So at the end of the movie, you have Uncle Thor and Love. And that's where you get your title. Mic drop. Thor, Love, and Thunder. And even cuter is the fact that Love is played by Chris Hemsworth, Chris Hemsworth's real-life daughter. Which, I don't know why. When it comes to kids and parent shit, you're always gonna... Don't, you, you don't gotta tug at those heartstrings any harder than you're tugging, buddy. You can ease up a little bit. But, uh, yeah, that's it. I kind of just gave you a uh, some of the Wyclef notes of the movie. There's still stuff in there for you to discover, but I kind of spoiled the whole, whole thing for you. So if you haven't seen the movie, super sorry. If you have, you know, I hope I talked about some of the things that you might have bumped up against. Who knows? And uh, as we've come accustomed to four years of doing the rating, rating system, we don't do stars here. Stars are for the bars. We do puffs of smoke because, you know, me and Alan are weed smokers. So on a rating system of one to four puffs, I'm going to give Thor Love and Thunder 2.3 puffs. And I'm going to give it 2.3 puffs. I feel like that's a fair rating, especially when we have four stars. But I'm going to give it that because of the, the reasons I listed previously in the, neg in the negative areas of the movie or what it lacked or what it did wrong, in my personal opinion. Uh, you did see that after the credits, the two mid-credits scenes, that uh, it stated that Thor would return. So if they do a Thor 5, I hope that they can balance out the humor with the much-needed seriousness with the character. And yeah, let's see where Thor ends up next with love in tow in what's now affectionately titled the Multiverse Saga. All right. And now to give you a quick uh, opinion on Jordan Peele's Nope. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a little bit quicker on that because um, it's still very brand new. It just came out this Friday. So I know most everybody, and before I give you my review, which this ties into it, my unofficial sponsor. My unofficial sponsor is the reason why I probably see more movies a week than most people do. And the unofficial sponsor, you know, today's podcast, Four years in the making, baby. The unofficial sponsor of today's podcast is Regal Unlimited. I have been a uh, avid adapter of Regal Unlimited since its inception. I missed out on the whole movie pass train, but I love the fact that for twenty three dollars a month, you can go. You can go to a movie. You can spend the whole damn day in the movie theater if you want to. You want to bring a friend along, it's only a couple more bucks. You get 10% off concessions. There's no blackout dates. See whatever movie you want to. You know, I, I went and saw Nope in IMAX, and IMAX tickets are usually like, I don't know, $13 something, but I paid like $6.50. It's a good deal, you know, because I, I listen to other people talk about taking their, their family members out, and they spend like easily over $100. And I'm constantly trying to advocate, like, you know, if we toss down between $21 and $23.50 a month, Son, you can be on, you can be living that unlimited life, son, like me. And as I would come to understand 
living the unlimited life doesn't mean that you can strip down butt-ass naked and go watch a movie at Regal, Regal Cinemas. Unlimited means seeing unlimited movies. It doesn't mean unlimited options in terms of clothing or non-clothing. That's a joke. I would never get butt naked in a movie theater just because I'm paying a subscription fee. I just find it funny to joke like that. But anyways, today's podcast, the four-year Annie, officially, unofficially, I mean, unofficially brought to you by Regal Unlimited. And for me, because I'm Regal Unlimited Black, not because of the color of my skin, because that's what happens after you get out of the, uh, the, the forest paying month to month where you can... You know, you got you got to buy in for a year and then after a year you can decide what months you want to pay and what months you don't. So that's what happens when you've done it for a year. Then you get graduated to Regal Unlimited Black. So, yes, to emphasize again, today's episode unofficially sponsored by Regal Unlimited Black. Get in there, get unlimited and see as many motherfucking movies as you want to son or daughter. All right. Now to get back to my short review of Jordan Peele's Nope. I I liked it. This is a, you know, he said he had set out to make a movie to recapture the spectacle of movies. And while I, I felt kind of disappointed um, when I was seeing the trailers, it was getting closer and closer to uh, the release date of the premiere of the movie. After seeing the movie, I understood completely why they showed so much of it. It's like, dude, I don't want to fucking know that it's a goddamn alien, son. I don't fucking know that shit, Narco. I want to be surprised, kid. Like, damn. But then once, once I saw the movie and I discovered that while it is an alien, the fact that it is, uh, it's uh, like Transformers, this movie is more than meets the eye. And it has a very nice... Um, very subtle, blink, wink, and you miss it. Um, well, not real subtle. You just just don't be a fucking idiot, and you can pick up the subtleties of the message in the movie. And the message of the movie is stop taming animals. Have respect for a wild beast. Not all wild beasts can be tamed. And even if they can, there's only so long before they reach their breaking point. And then when they reach their breaking point, it's uh, all fucking bets are off. I don't want to say too much about this movie. Oh, my God. If you've seen the trailers, you know it's some sort of alien. I won't tell you which one because by the time the movie ends, you're kind of just like, what in the entire fuck is Mr. Jordan Peele on? This guy is like tripping balls. Uh, you get the incomparable Keith David as a father. He's, he's only there for a short period of time. Um, you get... The lovely, talented, super fucking affable, just dope, dope fucking energy. Her energy just emanates. I know it's acting, but her energy emanates through her acting through the movie screen. The lovely Miss Kiki Palmer, just chef's kiss to, to Kiki. I've enjoyed, I've been a fan of hers since, you know, way back in the day when she had her, you know, when the first black... Uh, women to have her own TV show on, I believe, Nickelodeon, if I'm correct. Uh, Daniel Kaluuya, who returns from uh, Jordan Peele's debut movie, uh, Get Out. 
very, very, it's always good to watch uh, Daniel Kaluuya act. I enjoyed him in Get Out. I've enjoyed him in other things that haven't been such big, typical Hollywood fare. I liked him in Black Panther, even though he was kind of traitorous in his actions. I just like, I, I, I like his acting. He is a person that, you know, I know you got a lot of people that say, oh, I feel like I know these celebrities and I, I, we would be best friends. I feel like we, while we wouldn't be best friends, me and him could at least have one or two really deep, meaningful uh, conversations. Just people that you, you look at sometimes and you can, you just glance at their eyes real quick and you just, you're like, damn, like that motherfucker's got a, a deepness to him. Uh... The movie is good. The movie, the movie is really good. If uh, if you haven't watched a Jordan Peele movie by now, I would say that you will need to see. You will need uh, multiple, maybe more than one, definitely more than one viewing, to understand the entirety of what's going on. I didn't get it until you know, kind of, at the end of the second act. But once I understood it, it was beautiful. There's some backstory with this chimp named Gordy and the chimp, you know, no pun intended, going ape shit on, you know, this TV show cast. And that ties in with the whole theme of the movie about how we need to learn to live together in harmony with wild animals instead of trying to tame them for our amusement and entertainment. You know, there's even scant references to Siegfried and Roy the evidence is all over the place, as the police would say on an episode of Law and Order. <laughs> so, you know, that's why I say, you know, not, not some of us are just going and looking for a horror movie. And that's one thing I'll say is that they, they throw this as a horror movie. It's what's listed as. But I would venture to say that it's more of a thriller with maybe some horror bits. But then again, like I said in previous podcasts, all of that kind of stuff, it's subjective to the person watching. What might be scary to you might not be scary to the next person and vice versa. So yeah, uh, I don't want to say too much because the movie's still brand new. I just want to kind of get it out there. You know, let you know I've been seeing movies, son. I've been unlimited boy or girl. Or maybe you don't uh, identify as either gender. You're they or them. I don't mean to exclude anybody. Um... But yeah, I've been seeing movies. You dig? Uh, on a rating system of four puffs, I'm going to give Jordan Peele's third movie titled Nope! Exclamation mark. I'm going to give it three puffs. And I feel like that's a good thing. That's a good solid. You know, four puffs is that's creme, creme de la creme. That's that's the that's top of the crop, you know. You really got to do something to get four puffs, and I don't really bump into the movie a lot. I'm sure I'll see it again because I I live that unlimited life, as you know. But uh, yeah, as it stands right now, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it at three puffs. If I need to change the opinion, I will do that. Uh, but as it stands, that's my rating. I'm sticking to it. Ain't nothing but to do it. And uh, the one piece of news that I have before I leave you guys uh, on this uh, four-year anniversary cast is that Marvel announced at Comic-Con that Daredevil will be coming back for a new season. It'll be 19 or 18 episodes long on Disney Plus in the spring of 2023, and it'll be titled Daredevil Born Again. 
uh, Vincent D'Onofrio and, uh, damn it, why can't I think of his name? The guy who plays Matty Murdock are returning. No, no words yet or no news yet on whether uh, the lovely actress who plays, plays Karen Page or the actor who plays Foggy Nelson, if they were return, I would have to assume that they would work something out to get them back, you know, kind of get the whole cast back. I would assume, but don't, don't, don't assume, because then you go make an asshole of yourself or something like that. Um, he will also be first seen, I believe, in She-Hulk, which is coming out this year, I think. He'll be in a couple episodes of She-Hulk, and the description for his character story beat reads, he'll be looking for Jessica Jones. So hopefully we get Kristen Ritter back, and if we get fucking Kristen Ritter back, we can get Mike fucking Coltier back, because, dude, their energy... Whenever they shared the screen together, whether it was um, Luke Cage or Jessica Jones on Netflix, they had magnetic fucking energy. It was fucking dope watching them together. And it burned my goddamn biscuits that JJ and LC didn't end up together because in the comic books, they have a super cute, super powerful baby. And JJ is Jessica Jones and LC is Luke Cage, if you weren't aware. But I'm getting ahead of myself. So that is the only news that I see fit to print. I'm going to get out of here. And thank you again, you guys. Thank you from the bottom of my icy, icy, cold, cold heart for sticking around in whatever capacity, whether it was just a one-time listen or a faithful follow. I appreciate you so very much because I'm just a bald guy sitting here recording these episodes for my my own personal enjoyment to fill a hole in my heart that's been left by my father's walking out on me at the IGN Keeping It Real podcast. Fuck you guys. You left me. I sit outside. Sometimes I sit inside. I slowly just let my hand run down the window, telling myself they'll come back for me one day. And you never fucking did. You left me. And now look at what I've become. Something far worse than you could ever imagine. I am the Senate. (laughs) But no, seriously, thank you guys. Again, deeply from the bottom of my heart. Uh, I don't think if I if I if I don't think that if I didn't have any listeners that I would still be doing this. So really, at the end of the day, you guys should be giving yourselves a round of applause because without you, I wouldn't be here doing this. So until the next episode, catch you on the flippity flop. And remember, ladies and gentlemen, as you've come to hear at the end of every episode, usually it's two of us saying this, but keep it classy and stuff it down with a whole lot of motherfucking brown. And I'm talking bottom shelf mid-shelf or top-shelf whiskey, not dirt weed or heroin, brown liquor. Peace.